Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 3 of the Jedi Order podcast. Firstly, I wanted to thank everyone who has listened, liked and subscribed after the first two episodes. It's greatly appreciated. And here on episode 3, I'm joined by Jamie Stangroom, a man of many talents. He is a journalist and contributor for the likes of BBC Five Live, Comedy Central, Huffington Post and he's the UK correspondent for StarWars.com. Most recently, he's become a director with the film Empire Strikes Door, a really funny doc about the search for the stormtrooper who bumped his head in episode four. The film hosts a bunch of great guests, including Kevin Smith, Ahmed Best, Chris Jericho, just to name a few. So after this, be sure to go to Jamie's YouTube and check it out. Right, and without further ado, here is episode three of Jedi Order. So here we are, guys, and I've got Jamie Stangroom on the line now. Jamie, how you doing, mate? Hello, Ben. I'm all right. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm very, very well. I'm a bit jealous to be uh, on the on the phone with a man with one of the best hairdos in the galaxy. For, well, of course, I would never give myself that accolade but thank you first of all uh secondly again i would never give myself that accolade but thirdly it's uh it's in development at the moment um so oh. maybe maybe uh, can it still demand that accolade we'll have to you'll have to find out when you when you get to see it there's i i'm in forced development like i think a lot of people right now in terms of so it's kind of it's kind like of working on a new saga direction of its own <laughs> it is yeah uh it's i guess it's it's not a prequel because it's not a style i've ever had before so therefore it would have to be a, a sequel and it's not like a it's not a jj reboot style sequel this is like this is something very different um but you'll have to wait and see I, like i said i've been forced into it because i was sort of um i was kind of at my stage of ready for my annual cut you know i get cut like maybe twice a year the most and uh then the old um isolation came into effect so uh i'm now kind of beyond my usual level and i've started trying different things out and something something's sticking at the moment but that's all i'm going to say for now but you've got a kind of exclusive there oh i mean that is going straight on comicbook.com firstly <laughs> that's the fir- that's the first snippet i'm taking from this and uh it's going to get a lengthy press release about it i'm not going to lie i imagine it should I mean, that's one thing people don't talk about: isolation, ru- ruining or saving haircuts up and down the country. <laughs> yeah, well, you are seeing a lot of, um, you know, news news readers, for example, uh, who obviously aren't brave enough to cut their own hair or let their partner cut their hair, and they're usually very kind of, you know, very tidy in the hair department. Uh, I'm going to name one: uh, Robert Peston. Other news uh, broadcasters, journalists are available. Um, He's looking very, I mean, he's fairly scruffy, actually, anyway, so maybe he's not the best example. But you can see now they're all starting to turn into sort of 
shaggy sheepdogs. I'm quite enjoying. <laughs> That's going to be the new style because it's, it's, be I believe see which ones embrace it for when they come back though. <laughs> yeah, but because I think um, I know this is the case with a lot of BBC at the moment. Anyway, um, a lot of the presenters are doing their own makeup, for example. Um, so you know, usually you'd have somebody to sort that kind of thing out for you, I guess. Uh, is this what you wanted to talk about, by the way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was pretty much, I've broken this up to three segments about hair. And uh, <laughs> I, I, and the whole third segment is just on different ways Chewbacca can wear it. Um. <laughs> well, there we go. We've, 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 we've brought it round to Star Wars. And yeah, I would say I've, got, I've taken one big step closer towards becoming uh, a real-life Wookiee. Because Chewbacca not- is, is who I've always modelled my appearance on, as I've, as I've said before. Yeah, well, I mean, at least you won't have to now fork out for the screen uh, accurate costume, which I'm sure costs quite a lot of money. No, they definitely do. Even the kind of really lame ones cost a lot of money. <laughs> even even the ones where it makes Chewbacca look like he's in a really painful moment in his life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, first, let's let's go to that uh, galaxy. Uh, we can always come back to the hair at any given point. Um, yeah, please. But the the first thing I was going to talk about, I know you are a big Star Wars fan and you've had the joy of being able to interview a lot of Star Wars cast members and creators over the years. But when did it start for you? Was it a was it a movie moment? Was it A New Hope, the first Star Wars movie? Is that is that where you fell into it? I always find this a, a difficult one to answer because I don't think there for me anyway, I don't think there was a specific uh, moment. I think it was more like a, a period of time uh, where things sort of happened almost subconsciously because I, I have and still have a, a big brother who is, um, well, he would dispute this, but he, he was alive when the original trilogy came out. He says, but I don't remember Star Wars coming out. I really only remember from Empire Strikes Back onwards, but he was, he was around, you know, throughout the entire original trilogy, original release dates. And therefore, okay, maybe not with the original film because the action figures weren't even really readily available anyway because nobody expected, obviously, the subsequent success that came from the films. Therefore, the demand for the action figures, but by Empire Strikes Back and certainly Return of the Jedi, he had all of the toys. So when I was born, which is post-Return of the Jedi, um, I had the, uh, me and my little brother eventually um, had the hand-me-downs. So... I have that kind of weird sort of feeling like it's always been around me, whether it be with the the toys, the hand-me-down toys, those original uh, toys, of course, out of their packaging, and of course, with most of the uh, accessories and weapons missing. Um, so therefore, worthless these days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But also just always, and I don't know, it's like almost like um, it was always there in the background, whether it be The Empire Strikes Back on TV or, on, uh, you know, christmas day or something um having those toys but in terms of actually vivid memories of a specific star wars moment i mean my kind of real real i guess cinematic connection came with the special editions uh because that's when i like a lot of people my age at the time got to go and see star wars for the first time as they were supposed to be seen you know on the big screen with the big sound and I guess with your dad, maybe I did go with my dad, actually. So, you know, I didn't growing up, I'd seen the films, but I don't think I'd ever really sat down and 
understood them. I just enjoyed that galaxy and I enjoyed those toys and I enjoyed all the different species. But it was really the special editions, which, you know, I was a bit older by then. Um, what were the special editions? Probably like early 90s, mid 90s? Yeah, the, I think they made a big thing. Maybe the, I, I feel you had like, um, especially in the cinema, around the anniversary 97 kind of 97 yeah. 98 yeah. time and i think they were obviously trying to ramp up as well before a phantom menace hit the cinema yeah phantom menace was 99 wasn't it so yeah, yeah we're, we're looking like mid mid 90s yeah um so that was really the first cinematic it was the only cinematic uh experience at the time it was the first time they'd been as far as i'm aware put on um the big screen you know i had vhs copies of my brother brothers as well so yeah it's kind of like something that's always been there but maybe the real connection didn't occur until later on it's something that's always been there and 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 never gone never gone away really and do you think you think it's more like i feel it was the same for me um where it's kind of i i knew you kind of know about star wars before knowing star wars like just because it was such a big thing because i'm the same, born in 86 so after the original trilogy had all done and the dust had settled um but then it was very much the thing i was given hand-me-down toys as well you know and played with them all the time and i don't think i really knew i had the millennium falcon <laughs> i just saw it as a spaceship yeah. toy uh, and that's kind of how and that's kind of how that worked up until I remember being taken to see A New Hope uh, with my mum when it got the cinema releases. And then when Phantom Menace and things came down, that's when Star Wars embedded itself like back in the everyday culture. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, I think we're definitely on the same page. It's perhaps when the special editions and when the prequels uh, started rolling out, that's when the kind of um, maybe more particular uh, obsessive nature uh kicks in where you do want to know everything about every character which which planet they're from what's the backstory etc yeah. because that you know again like you i wasn't born when any of the originals came out but that obviously didn't exist back then partly because the internet wasn't there so the forums for debate and discussion weren't as readily available but you know there's all this always this obsession these days of like, well, who is Snoke? You know, where does Snoke come from? Why, why, why is there no backstory? Blah blah blah. Anger, anger. But yeah. if you think about it, Return of a Jedi, we didn't even know the Emperor's name. I don't think you ever get. I, I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure you don't ever hear him called Emperor Palpatine. No, I'm pretty the original sure you films. Don't. Of course, you do in the prequels, but um, yeah. I don't. I don't think you do in the original. I could be wrong. I could be massively wrong here, but I'm pretty sure you don't. So, you know, back then people I think took the films more for what they were. Maybe, maybe dare I say it, had more fun with them, enjoyed them more. And now I would think partly with the internet playing a big role here, you know, uh, every moment is is dissected more. And yeah, like you, I I I was aware of things, maybe didn't know the specifics of what the things were, what species they were, even what the character's name was or the ship's name, like you said, with the Millennium Falcon. But certainly that has obviously changed as uh, as life has gone on. Yeah, yeah, just a tad <laughs> for myself as well. I'm pretty sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was very much as you say as well. Um, back with the original trilogy i think there was there was just more enjoyment and wonder there because people just you didn't have the internet so you couldn't read the running commentary of 
almost it seems everyone who saw the film and what they think about every particular piece um but everyone just kind of took it for what it was and you know i when the first film came out people didn't even know there was going to be a sequel Mm. uh so but yeah and i'm pretty sure like you said we didn't we didn't really know hardly anything about the emperor i mean his most most of his screen time i believe was in the return of the jedi but before that i yeah i'm pretty sure there wasn't even a mention of his name uh but everybody uh everybody back then very much would i think would sit back more and just take it as it came and mm. didn't have to know all the little ins and outs but some of those ins and outs are kind of the best thing for me personally i love knowing about the like the random little characters who either don't get um any even talk time but you just see them hustling about in the background and i'm like i want to know what you do <laughs> yeah no absolutely no i'm all i'm all for it I don't, I, I don't need to get angry about it you know if uh if i'm not given the information that i, I feel like i might need um because i soon realize that i can probably live my life without it but no yeah. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about it you know um in fact i've as you know i've I made a series online about tracking down niche characters uh, from yes, the original yeah. films, and that has sort of developed into the into the newer films as well. So no, I again, I love those background characters as well. In some ways, they're they're intriguing, but maybe in some ways, the less you know, the more intriguing they are. Uh, even background moments with your Empire Strikes Door film. Um, which I found fascinating that I'm not going to give it away for people who obviously haven't seen it. They should because it's a, a lot of laughs. But just the debate that goes on between the the people that you are tracking down as to what happened. There's so, so many different different versions of the same story and people are still very uh, adamant about it all these years on. Yeah, I kind of... So that was with the stormtrooper that bumped his head. And um, yeah. so I, I set out originally to find a whole list of kind of um, background characters from the original films to celebrate the fact that Star Wars is coming back. So this was, uh, I guess, 2015, just before The Force Awakens came out. Uh, we know Han's back. We know Luke's back. Leia's back, you know, which is all well and good. But what about low-grade Ewok? And what about the guy who played Jabba's tail? Because there was a guy in Jabba's tail. Uh, there was a number of guys in Jabba in general. Um, and the Stormtrooper who bumped his head, uh, one of you know the most iconic bloopers in cinema history yeah. um and finding people is very easy really because they're pretty much appearing at every uh convention every weekend for the rest of their lives you know it's their pension for a lot of them and finding the stormtrooper who bumped his head you know again finding greedo no problem finding uh ewoks jabba's tail gonk droids no problem but finding uh the stormtrooper who bumped his head led to basically finding a number of someone's if you like there were a number of people making the claim and yeah as you said they're all pretty adamant uh in their beliefs of their story as to why it was them and as i come to the conclusion of the film yeah we're not going to say who it was here because it'd be nice if people watched it but um they probably all did bump their heads at some point but it's who did it in that scene uh in that moment uh and i think we get enough evidence to probably prove who it was in the end but i think what it shows is that we value these background background characters as fans more, way more, you know, than a casual, you know, viewer of a Star Wars film who may not even notice these characters because they're so focused on what's happening right in front of them. We value yeah. them more, but I think they also value their role more. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, they have contributed to 
this thing that's given you know millions and millions of people uh, joy around the world and for some of them just happy with the credit if they if they got one in fact they're happy with the occasional paycheck from a convention but with others they do want a bit more recognition and there's nothing wrong with that uh, and i think that's what we see in the uh in, in the film yeah very much so i feel it's you kind of see it now if uh you watch any of the documentaries um on the making of the latest films it's almost like a time for celebration like christmas for these people who are playing one particular alien in one background scene and for them it seems like this is uh, as it would be if i was playing some random alien in the background of star wars it means so much to people now it, to be allowed to be a part of it in any way yeah i think I think it'd be hard pressed to be involved in Star Wars these days and not, you know, not have been a fan already. I think that's probably part of the uh, audition. Are you a fan? But yeah, I think, you know, if you're part of the films these days, you're most likely uh, a fan who grew up with the movies. Maybe that's even part of the interview process or the audition process. Are you you a fan? Um, But being a bit cynical about it as well, I think back in the day, it genuinely was just another day's work, maybe a couple of days work for an extra say um but these days you know no matter how small your character is you know it's very very potentially more than just a day's work because of the convention circuit because it's so huge these days so yeah there's extra reason to be an extra uh in a star wars movie than in anything else because again you know there is a demand for even the most niche cameo appearance background performers whatever you want to call it, uh, it on the convention circuit yeah so i mean there's that's the thing with the convention circuit these days there's so many different levels of conventions all the way from san diego where you're seeing hundreds of thousands of people and the biggest media companies around the world attending in order to promote their product or event or uh, film all the way down to your local ones that happen all over the world in different countries where sometimes you know there's 200 people in attendance but that's where those people can kind of find a career because those kind of conventions can only afford to probably you know bring in one relatively good name and then the rest have to be kind of lower tier names but it still gets people coming through the door Mm, absolutely i um i went to a convention in burnley uh last year that was burnley Good old Burnley. Um, Star Wars Fan Fun Day. They've had to postpone this year's event. It's a charity event, actually. They've had to postpone it for obvious reasons. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But I went there with the uh, with the aim of recording a batch of interviews for the YouTube channel. And I got four out of the five interviews that I had arranged in advance. The one I didn't get to do was uh, Tim Rose. Now, we did do it eventually on Skype in the end. But... The reason we didn't do, didn't do it on the day in person was just because his queue was never ending. And remember, you don't see him in the film. He's the puppeteer of Akbar and a few yeah. other characters in Return of a Jedi. We never see him. But, you know, he was the most popular guy. The queue, if, if you go to a convention intending to interview Tim Rose in person, beware, it's a trap. It really is. His queue was just <laughs> never, never ending. It was a never ending queue. So it just shows, again, you don't see him in the film, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to uh, 
to these fans, to these collectors. And he probably he probably arranged that interview knowing it couldn't happen because he wanted you to see. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he wanted you to see that line. <laughs> and it's paid off because here I am spreading the word on his popularity right yeah. now. So this is this is a good notification for people uh, who might be attending San Diego next year. If you are a Tim fan, you better get there early in the same way you would prepare for Hall H. Yeah, Tim Rose, Hall H, same, same level. Same level, same level. So get get those Akbar one-shot comics ready. It might have just been a very geographical, local, um, hardcore fan base that Tim has in Burnley. I don't know. I can only speak for Burnley. I don't know if this happens at every uh, convention <laughs> Tim's at. That might, that might be Burnley. the hub of all Akbar activity. Yeah. One thing I was going through a few, a few things which I find is that some people go to the most popular moments in Star Wars films as their favorite moments or their most loved moments. But I always find it's for me, it's always random moments which just happen in films, which I seem to enjoy more than most. Is there any moments aside from the major ones that you kind of love or enjoy the most when you rewatch a Star Wars film? That's a good question. Mm, probably. I mean, if you gave me, genuinely, if you gave me a Chewbacca supercut, I wouldn't need to watch a Star Wars film in its entirety ever again because I genuinely love Chewie. He is my favourite character. It's not just a hair thing. But also, I don't know, it can be mood dependent sometimes. Uh, I kind of, I don't know, I, I think like a lot of people, I associate Star Wars moments with John Williams's score. Yeah. And therefore, certainly at the moment, when you know we're kind of finding it hard to leave our, our homes i probably feel a little bit like luke looking out at the twin sons and therefore <laughs> have the um have the uh now i always called it the force theme but then somebody told me off about it is it the is it the binary uh sunset theme but anyway you know the, you know the theme i'm i know I'm, the theme, I'm talking yeah. about I, I i feel like it's the force theme because it it always maybe at the very beginning of star wars i.e star wars it was the theme for that moment but we kind of generally get that theme whenever anybody's concentrating and trying to use the force yeah so you know i i just that that theme just plays in my head quite a lot when i'm looking out the window in, in isolation <laughs> um so yeah i don't know i relate moments to, to my favorite characters chewy um there are moments i don't want to see in films so i'm a i'm a last jedi fan uh and I'm not going to apologize for that. I, I think it's a, it's, it's a good it's a good Star Wars film. I, I mean, it's a different Star Wars film. I'll accept that, but I, I, I like it. However, I um, I had a bit of a journey to get to to that sort of definitive uh, feeling towards it. Um, but the best version of the Last Jedi, and I don't think I'll be the only person to say this, uh, I experienced on a on a plane. Uh, I can't remember where I was flying to, but I put the Last Jedi on because I was sort of thinking like you know I could probably sleep but i don't know yet i'm not fully committed to the sleeping cause let's put something on that i've seen before doesn't matter if i do fall asleep and i put the last jedi on which i've probably seen three or four times at this point and it, it been and gone from the cinemas and uh, i fell asleep just before the canto bite you know the casino yeah planet and i woke up i don't know how i managed this but i woke up after that kind of arc was done and dusted if you like and yeah. it, it was the best version of the last jedi i've uh, i've ever seen and so yeah there's certainly 
I don't know. I could probably easily, more easily pick out moments that I, I, I don't, I could do without seeing again. I could live without, if you like. Yes. I feel there are, um, if, yeah, for me, I would happily remove the milk drinking scene from The Last Jedi, and it wouldn't bother me so much to uh, uh, not have that scene whenever seeing that film again. <laughs> and I am also a fan of The Last Jedi. I really enjoyed that film, and I really enjoyed how different it was to other Star Wars films, and many many elements of it um, I absolutely love. But it still, it's more not so the drinking of it, but the face afterwards. <laughs> it's a filthy face, isn't it? It's it's a it's a filthy face, and if I was Ray, I would I would seriously have contemplating just getting back on the Falcon and flying off. <laughs> after yeah, I don't want I don't want to learn your filthy habits. Yeah. Um, I yeah, want part of how you're drinking that milk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could keep I could keep the milk in actually, but uh, I could I could also keep a lot of the sort of silly humour from the last Jedi last Jedi in. The I think the only humour that sort of didn't bother me on first viewing because I was sort of a little bit almost like not quite sure what was going on, uh, like I was for most of my first viewing of the last Jedi. But the only bit of humour that's sort of great to me now is the. Um, Ah, the kind of prank call, prank call at the very beginning between Hux and um, oh yeah, and and Poe. Uh, that sort of, I think that does cross the the line of being a bit too a bit too silly. But those those caretakers on Luke's planet, the milk, um, having a problem with them. Love the Chewie and the Porgs humor. Yes, love the love the cooking of the Porgs, um, and I very much love the scene of the caretakers walking with their barrel being completely knocked off by the rocks that Ray has just lightsabered from above. Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day, <laughs> it's just, I think it's that's it's one of the physical comedy elements that physical comedy sometimes is always a lot easier for a win. The reaction of the caretakers when the, <laughs> their barrel gets dismantled and de- demolished just still gets me every time. Yeah, no, I was fine with a lot of the humour in, in that film. For me, I'm very much going back to your Chewy comments. There are a lot of Chewy moments. Chewy's just his lines. I think some of my most favourite moments are Chewy and Han's lines between each other. The kind of, the the delivery of the one sidedness of it, because you're only really getting what Han is saying, and you're not getting what Chewie's saying, but you can still kind of tell. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You do feel like you're certainly part of the conversation almost, or you're not you're not missing out on anything. Um and that and that's and that for me was Star Wars. You know, that was like when the Force Awakens, uh seeing the Force Awakens for the first time before the likes of Finn and Ray had really become Star Wars for us. Um you're watching the film and it's yeah, okay, we had the crawl, we had the with the theme. Uh, there's a lot of familiarities here, um, but it's not really until uh, Han and Chewie get aboard the Falcon with that now famous line of Chewie, we're home. That's when it really feels like Star Wars, where you've got this, you know, fully grown man talking to a walking carpet and you don't really know what the walking carpet's saying, but you actually you do because of what Han's saying. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's one of those weird Star Wars things. Why does this work? Yeah. But it works so well, and you do. You they felt they said they're home, but you, that's when that's when I felt I was home with that moment. Yeah, and it's also moments like that. There's so many moments like that in Star Wars films, due to the fact of how many 
droids there are, how many characters there are behind masks, um, and how many characters there are in prosthetics where you have to go on like a slight movement or a reading of the situation on the other character to kind of gauge what the response is. But um, mm. that that's just the thing that flows, especially like in the Mandalorian series when you don't even see the main character's face. It flows very heavily through Star Wars. Yeah, it does. Yeah, on well, the Mandalorian, I mean, there's episodes where he barely says a thing, let alone do you see his face. Yeah, it's but it works. For me, just anyway. a few few shoulder shrugs and he's away. Yeah. For, 40 minutes of entertainment ensues. <laughs> yeah, 40 minutes if you're lucky. Yeah, it was the higher end, wasn't it, of the durations? It was. I was. I actually kind of noticed that from the beginning. I was like, oh, we're going to be getting 40, 45 minutes episodes. That's nice. That's kind of, that's an hour-long type program on an, on television with the ad breaks. And then, <laughs> and some of them, I watched them, was, I was like, oh, are we already at the end? How long? Yeah. How- is this <laughs> but uh i know we're getting loads more so i can't really complain and the quality of it has been just tremendous but yeah i'm i'm i was hoping i must say i was hoping for definitely like the 50 to 60 minute mark per episode but you know well that might change i think you know that was one of the there's not been too many criticisms about the mandalorian and it's a pretty good criticism when someone tells you that they want more yeah. this thing you've created but that was a general feeling wasn't it from people that the episodes were just too short so maybe maybe it was almost like a pilot season and season two will be will be longer yeah very much so and that when we were supposed to be getting it as well because thankfully it was all filmed before all the, the lockdown stuff uh, ensued so we don't have too long to wait for season two mm. um another thing i want to touch on because for me it's a massive part of star wars but i'm a big droid lover uh, I always wish there was more droids in every story. Is there kind of one, what is your favourite, good to know your favourite main character droid, and what also, what is your favourite droid that you see maybe once or twice, or even just for a brief five seconds in one film? Mm. Um, good question. I mean, R2, just start with the obvious, R2 is very much like Star Wars. You don't even have to Put the Star Wars writing, the logo above Star Wars is uh, R2's domed head, and if you show that to somebody, they will they will say Star Wars. They will know it's Star Wars. You know, even yeah. if they're not a fan. Um, so yeah, droids are just you know as iconic as anything um, in Star Wars. I did really enjoy, and I have to say, I'm not too at the moment too bothered about this Cassian Andor series that's coming at some point to Disney Plus. But I did yeah. really enjoy. Um, uh alan tudyk's uh k2so in yes. rogue one so uh you know that'll be interesting because he's he's it's been announced that he's part of it so presumably we'll see how they kind of meet up i guess as it's a as it's a prequel uh series to to rogue one i did enjoy k2so uh i haven't seen solo enough actually to come to a, uh, an opinion on lando's droid which yes. Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Waller-Bridge yeah. performs as as well, I think. From the more niche side of it, I, gonk, gonk droids are just funny. Just because <laughs> I don't really see the point of them and they just sort of plod around, plod around in the background. They're funny. I suppose if I wanted to pet a droid, which I'm not ruling out in, in life, uh, I'd probably have a mouse droid. I just feel like that'd be the easiest to sort of uh, contain, you know, 
because they also fear Wookiees, and I am slowly becoming a Wookiee. Um, therefore, I would have it uh, under control. Yeah, I like, I like mouse droids. I always used to be quite obsessed with... Um, not obsessed, actually. That's, that's strong. Um, you don't want to know about my obsessions. Um, <laughs> I always used to quite enjoy, and this comes back to just memories, really, and general memories. But I, I remember Return of the Jedi from childhood, not specific viewings, but just in general, because I think I just loved Jabba's palace uh, in general as a kid. It was, it was just so much going on and so much to look yeah. at in the background and, you know, just really felt like you were in a completely uh, another world. Um, and the droid that was, you know, in, uh, I don't know his name, but you know, in, um, I think probably Chewie and Han, oh, maybe it's, no, I think it's when Freepio arrives at Jabba's palace and they go to kind of like the dungeon area and they're sort of branding with the hot irons, the droids, and torturing them a little, little bit. And there's that droid where they're torturing, but actually when you look closer in the internet age, it's been highlighted that the hot irons never actually touched the droid's um, feet. Um, yeah. And there's that droid who who works for Jabba, who's in charge of that kind of dungeon area. He's got sort of very small uh, eyes. Uh, I don't even know his name. Am I painting a picture? I know exactly what you mean. The master. Um, he says something like the master got angry of his last protocol droid or something like that. Oh, just... he's kind of like, isn't he kind of rusty, silver, shiny? Mm. Uh, and is it the droid he kind of has like maybe buggish type eyes? I think he does. Yeah. Like, so that droid always sort of uh, stood and out. He, he references it, doesn't it? That's when you see that protocol droid like pulled apart. In that yeah. yeah and that's the thing as well the rustier the better with the droids same with the ships you know that's sort of like i'm not going to get into a prequel bashing i'm i'm sort of okay with the prequels to be honest uh overall yeah. but you know wh- one thing i'd say they just and it makes sense why but they're too shiny you know real star wars just feels a bit lived more eaten up lived yeah, in yeah. yeah it has that kind of lived in effect that was straight from uh, a new hope wasn't it Mm. that people love very much about star wars but yeah i did yeah the kind of beaten up droids in when we first see uh r2 and c3po get sold to luke that's that's the kind of that's the kind of droid i prefer there as well yeah the ones who have a little bit of a story to tell yeah yeah and that's you know and again that's why the mandalorian is so uh uh easy to get into and relate to from a star wars point of view because you were it was like being back in that original uh universe if you like uh because it was all very much lived in i wasn't too fussed about going back to tatooine i have to say but in general everything was very beaten up and, and lived yeah in. yeah i didn't i didn't mind it it, it was uh, i was quite um when we did go back to tatooine and then there was the cantina i was like oh there's not many people in here <laughs> mm. Uh, I was hoping for a lot. It was obviously a slow day during the day, so everyone's at work. But yeah, I was hoping for a few more random table dwellers. Yeah, for, it wasn't um, quite for the same. It wasn't quite the same, but you know it, th- that's absolutely fine. <laughs> it's, it's it's not a bee in my bonnet. But one th- one of my droids, which I just absolutely love, and near enough makes me laugh. I think every time it comes on screen. And I had to look it up to get its name. By no means is this this is this isn't knowledge that's in my head. But it's the TT8L 
gatekeeper droid. Do you know, do we by any chance know what droid I'm referencing to? I I, I do I do not know. So it's the droid that pops out of Jabba's the door at C three PO. I do. The little yeah. kind of like, the, like the eyeball on a, on, a, on a stick. Yeah, and comes out with always the most funniest of lines that like, butter butter or so, mm. something along those lines, uh, and you see it again in the Mandalorian. But that. I always remember seeing that when I was a kid and the, I remember just like crying with laughter when that that uh, I first saw that uh, droid. Well, I didn't even know it was a droid then. Uh, at one point I was like, is it a person behind the door poking that thing through or what's happening? Well, in reality, yes, it probably was. You were ahead yeah, of your time. Plus, it wasn't a real droid. There was, it was probably Mike Quinn popping it through there. But uh, yeah, for me, that very limited droid time but as research has showed me it's a full-on legend droid as it's described here but has given me many a laugh over the years the good old gatekeeper droid gatekeeper droid that's a cool name it is a cool name and it's uh i'm I, i'm puzzled as to why there aren't more christmas toy demands for this droid mm. although cool. when you see the the rest of the body of it it is just another pole but still you know, they can't. They can't all be uh, as good as the Gonk Droid wandering around aimlessly. Exactly, but I feel like this Gatekeeper Droid just shows why uh, the Star Wars world is so much more exciting and um, creative than the real world. Because yeah, in Star Wars they get the funny, yeah, slightly aggressive uh, Gatekeeper Droid popping out, uh, interrogating people upon their arrival. And in our world, we get those those what are they called ring devices? Yeah. And then it yeah, pops up on your get. phone. We get an app. I don't. I don't quite know why uh, Disney Disney should think this through a bit more, knowing the popularity of Star Wars, and get these. Just get a home device, but make it R two D two. Yeah. And then we can know, all learn what the bleeps mean. Exactly. Yeah. Some uh, to and do I and... think it would be a better world for it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody would be okay if R two was stealing your data. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You carry on. Because, you know, if you said something about it, it'd just be potty-mouthed uh, about it back to you, and it'd be quite rude. Yeah. But um, that's something that they should definitely definitely look into. Other than the kind of the Star Wars films that have come and gone, um, obviously we're in, we're in this kind of new territory now, which is, which is really exciting, as it was for um, a lot of people who anticipate the Mandalorian coming along. But for yourself... If they're going to do another saga, or which it seems they are, or they're going to do more standalone films, but I believe the saga route is something that would go down. Is it what kind of would you like to see? Would you like to see something that is in the same time frame as what we've just seen, or would you like to see something completely removed as far as possible? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think you're right. I think there will definitely be another saga. Um, Star Wars will, I think, always, now anyway, yeah, in the Disney era, always return to the big screen. But I'm quite cool with it not happening for a while and um, seeing what more Disney Plus brings us in terms of more Mandalorian, uh, the Cassian Andor that we mentioned earlier, Obi-Wan as well. They're all Obi-Wan more than Cassian, but they're things I'm looking forward to and I'm, in, I'm intrigued by and mm. excited by. I feel a little bit of fatigue in terms of the films at the moment, and I'm not a basher of the sequels. I, I enjoyed the trilogy overall. Um, 
but I am feeling a little bit of fatigue, and I think it's more it's more the reaction to the films because I said this to uh, I'm a name drop here. It's a Star Wars name drop. I said this to um, Anthony Daniels, so I put it to him anyway. Clang. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, well, a clang would be the noise, wouldn't it? And uh, it's most appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And like, I feel like now that Star Wars, when you're talking about, well, what we now refer to as the, the Skywalker saga, it's been going on for so long. And we've already mentioned a few times in this conversation about the different generations that have grown up with different versions of it or different sections of it if you like there are now so many different generations that have grown up with the skywalker saga i feel like no matter what they do you know it's easy to say well the kids films of course adults are now grown up and are going to be angry about them but then some people say no you know this was made for the fans for the fanboys the old fanboys you know because they did so many you know easter eggs and throwbacks and what have you but I just feel now, whatever they do, they can't win. It is impossible to please yeah. everybody in the fan base of these films. And if you notice when, whenever they release something sort of standalone, if you like, like The Mandalorian, like Rebels, even though it's sort of the same time frame as the Skywalker saga, um, yeah. Clone Wars as well. Um there's so much less from from what I'm seeing anyway, so much less negativity and so yeah. much more uh, uh, joy uh, around them. And I don't think well, it's the complete opposite in terms of the films. Uh, and I, I'm not blaming JJ. I'm not blaming Ryan. I'm not blaming Disney. I just think whatever happens, they could put out the best star, the best Star Wars film ever. Yeah. But then it's it's not person's best star wars film ever in fact it's their worst star wars film ever and they're angry yeah. about it you know that you can't please everybody with these films anymore and and i'm not saying stop making films because i don't want them to do that and of course they're not going to do that but i just am quite up for a bit of a break to be honest and that's mostly down to fan reactions it's it's tiring yeah i completely i completely hear you on that because it, it, it is tiring and it's 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 very strange that when you have the standalones like you mentioned it's almost like they take a back seat and they go oh yeah do you know what do what you like well and yeah and also i think you don't quite get it right it's okay yeah because these are characters that i guess that, that you haven't grown up with but you've yeah. grown up with chewy you've grown up with han and leia so when you make a decision on what happens next to this character that's gonna you know that's not gonna fit the imagination of every single fan of what they had let's talk about luke here you know a lot of yeah. people had other ideas for luke in the last jedi yeah including mark hamill <laughs> yeah apparently yeah <laughs> but um yeah i mean that that's the thing no one you, you can't make a star wars film now that everyone's gonna love that's just then i mean everyone seems to love the mandalorian but I'm pretty sure there's people out there that don't, but they're just being squashed by so much positivity. But I almost feel like people go into, uh, since The Last Jedi, go into the films wanting not to like them or looking for the things that they don't like and then getting ready to talk about those things. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I think you're right. More so than any other 
kind of franchise that's around. Yeah, I think you're right. And <clears throat> excuse me, I think you know to to actually answer the question as well. I think therefore I wouldn't want anything remotely connected to the Skywalker saga for now. You know, mm. I think maybe in uh, to be honest, I don't think any of the actors would. I think they are they're all a bit over it for now as well. Um, but I think maybe in ten years. Daisy Ridley, Boyega, maybe Oscar Isaac as well. Probably not Adam Driver coming back as Force Ghost or whatever. Um, I don't think he'd be up for that, but who knows? I think, why not? I, I, I think 10 years, I'd be ready for it. And also the kids that grew up with this version of the Skywalker saga, if you like, will, you know, well, I guess they'll be the next generation of angry uh, online <laughs> people who should know better. But anyway... Maybe maybe in five years, ten years, whatever. But for now, if we're going to get something in the next few years, uh, I would want something very disconnected from that. And I, you know, as you know, Ben, I don't, um, I'm not a big reader, just in general, let alone with Star Wars books, um, expanded universe or whatever is canon now. Um, so I don't know too much about the old Republic and the, and the high Republic that people are talking about now. Yeah. Um, but I would be interested to be introduced to that, uh, via, you know, uh, free films coming out on the big screen. Well, that's something very much uh, that I wanted to mention the whole, cause Lucasfilm announced this a couple of months ago, how, and, and they obviously, they aligned it at the moment with, publications books and comics the high mm. republic the story of the high republic which is um a, is it set 200 years before the phantom menace and i feel very much because i thought that if if they because they're the moment they've got the release date obviously things can change and probably will change but they're scheduled at the moment to take up december's every couple of years from 2022 for three films and for me, I feel that would seeing kind of the the seeing the success of the Mandalorian, even though I know that sits in between that sits in between the Skywars saga, even though it's far removed from it in terms of story and characters. Um, mm. I, I feel that would that would kind of be a, a great way to go because even though we do get probably more Jedi as a whole in the prequels than any other of the section of three films um but we still don't really get the kind of the whole jedi story as much and i feel if you went that far back you can you can have new heroes and new characters and new enemies and new siths and everything can be fresh with everything still being the same to a certain extent we're still in the same world so there's always going to be those familiarities and there always can be some sort of far drifted away reference but that's very much something for me personally i think i would like to see and i feel very much we will get your you it's undoubted that you'll get Faye, uh, ray finn and poe back and they will then be legacy characters and mm. 20 years or something down the line they will be the mark hamels and the harrison fords yeah like no you, you mentioned little kind of droplets of familiarity i'm all for that um yeah, I don't get angry by excessive Easter eggs. To be honest, I'm I'm no, all I can't I'm all, spot I'm all for that. Um, yeah, I, I have to be told that they were there, but then I'm I'm not angered by them. But um, yeah, you know, like if you could, you know, do something that's as far removed storyline as possible from what we know already, but still have some 
familiarities, whether it be with mentions of a Yoda or whatever, um, then yeah, I think that would be an era that I'd be, because I know so little about it anyway, having not played games and I just don't have much fun in life. I read the books and comics and what have you. So I'd be very interested <laughs> to explore that era of, uh, of Star Wars. And also, you know, it goes back to the Force a bit more um, and the mythology of the Force and what have you. Um, uh, I'm going to name drop again, uh, but I was chatting to Ahmed Best just last week, uh, who's, who was Jar Jar Binks. He's coming back to Disney Plus to do a uh, kind of kids, uh, uh, almost funhouse style show. Uh, it's called Jedi Temple Challenge. And, Which is um, amazing. Yeah, how good wouldn't it be great to be a kid what a time to be a kid but um yeah like it's not it's not me watching it though the fact i'm not a kid um although the fact i haven't got a subscription to disney plus right now might stop me but um yeah i uh i um he was saying that uh for him you know yeah this is a kid show and what have you but actually this is providing one of the things that Star Wars movies, recent Star Wars movies for him have been lacking, and that is the kind of uh, the faith and, uh, you know, the fact that you have to really believe in the Force and develop your powers and you can't just flip a chip out of the sky just because you can kind of thing. You've got to work on that power, and uh, it's more about the training that we'd see with Luke and Yoda on Dagobah, etc. And, yeah, I think, you know, the Force was almost taken for granted perhaps a little bit um with what we didn't see um in the sequel trilogy perhaps there's more about it in the books you know the novelizations of the films more raised training and what have you but um yeah so something you know a bit more you know i'm not not talking about midichlorians necessarily but uh something a bit more that goes a deeper dive into the force would be cool well there there is that um something that i would love to see in the live action base and for the life of me i can't remember the name of the planet but there is that planet in the that is supposedly kind of the home of the force almost in the clone wars series which you see reference to i think anakin and ahsoka go there or right. or maybe it's maybe it's obi-wan but which makes it seem which i like the whole makes it seem more of like a ancient mystic kind of environment and uh, wizardry type ethos around it which is something I think would be cool to see in a live action segment, mm, whether yeah. it's film or series. Yeah, because even the um, in Rogue One with Jeddah, you know that ancient Jedi uh, city was it? Um, just yeah. that was cool, just seeing the destroyed uh, giant statue of a of a Jedi uh, who looked very much like uh, Alec Guinness, Obi Wan, circa Alec Guinness, um, mm. and the, and the, and the kind of um, the Kyber crystal uh, sort of temple they were protecting uh, there and that the Empire were, were looting, if you like. Just all those kind of things Just I just find really intriguing and, and exciting and sort of going back and, like I said before, diving a bit deeper into the Jedi's past would be something I'd definitely be interested in. And cu- currently at the moment, I mean, they still have Ryan Johnson attached and they also have Kevin Feige attached. We don't know if it's the same films or different films. Is there anyone you would love to see in either director's chair or writer's chair for an up and coming saga piece? Well, you know what? I wouldn't. This would annoy a lot of people, but I wouldn't drop Ryan Johnson. I would. I would. I, in fact, I would like to see Ryan Johnson direct a Star Wars film again and particularly something that is a new Star Wars film 
you know, because I think a lot of people actually who hated The Last Jedi would maybe quite like The Last Jedi if it wasn't a Star Wars film. I think yeah. it's, I think most people's beef was um, with what he did to their beloved characters, which they didn't agree with. So I don't know. I, would it put people off going to see it? Would they not go out of protest uh, to see another Ryan Johnson Star Wars film? But I think people would. I think he'd do a great job, and and I think he deserves. Personally, I think he deserves another go at a Star Wars film, uh, and maybe, just maybe, it will win over some of those uh, those haters. And it is okay to not like a film. By the way, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't attack people who don't like The Last Jedi. I think it's fine. It's just when I see people who don't like The Last Jedi attacking people who do like The Last Jedi, and vice versa. You know, it's almost like Brexit. There's these two tribes, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> and and then they go as far as they're, they're like attacking the the cast that are involved in The Last Jedi. Yeah, where, it's just too know, much. And that's, and that's people that are, are giving you know their life and time to those projects who are extremely invested and just want the best thing mm. there's no there's no one on that set that doesn't want to make a good not alone let alone a good star wars movie but just a good movie yeah that's all that's the whole reason they're all there but yeah but i would very much love to see ryan johnson direct again and a Star Wars film that isn't affiliated with the skywalker saga so he actually gets the freedom because mm. Knives Out, Looper, the guy's a great filmmaker. He's a yeah. great and he's a great visionary filmmaker. So many elements of his filmmaking is brilliant to see and brilliant to watch and uh, he's definitely got a lot of original traits. So it would be brilliant if he was given the helm again. Yeah, I think I think it would. I think it would. I think he deserves it. Like you said, Knives Out, brilliant. And um, he, you know, he He's an old school filmmaker as well. He's very much involved, uh, hands on, and he's he's a writer, a good writer, I, I think, as well. And he has his um, trusty right hand man. Is it Ram Ram Bergen? Is it Ram Bergen? Yeah, um, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, so they're a team, really. Mm. As well as him uh, being involved, I, I'm quite interested. Well, I, I mean, I'm surprised Kevin Feige has the time to do a Star Wars film <laughs> with, you know, 50 Marvel projects on the go seem to be uh, seamlessly. But it be interesting to what capacity. I think some of his ethos would probably be appreciated in connecting the dots across multiple films. I think that I think Kevin Feige would be a good person to have involved from that standpoint. Yeah, I think um, so. because the the amount of webs you have to weave together for some of the references and for Endgame to make sense and Infinity War uh, is just just a couple, uh, more than more than three films. So I think I think they, for me, if they made him kind of head honcho for three films and then but then still gave in the same way Marvel do to like the Russo brothers and Taika and all those give those guys the freedom still to create what they want to create then I, I very much feel that the next saga that comes along is probably going to be one of the most loved for a while. Yeah, I think so. And and I think hopefully, you know, even people who did enjoy uh, the sequel trilogy will accept that there clearly wasn't much of a plan there. Uh, and hopefully that's something that Lucasfilm have learned from this trilogy. And therefore, we will have a plan when it comes to to the next one, because that's one thing that, you know, Kevin Feige and Marvel, you've got to say whether you like 
Marvel films or not, they they have a plan. They have a very big, you know, plan. As you said, like fifteen yeah. films running at one time. There is very much a plan there, and and how they connect is is is, is figured out. Uh, but that was not the case with three Star Wars films, you know. So yeah, I think whatever happens next and from my point of view if it's a trilogy um which i guess it would be i would want ryan johnson as i am selecting him as my director of choice i would want him for all three yeah certainly as a writer anyway yeah in the same in the same way the russo brothers took the helm um for the infinity war and Endgame saga yeah so you kind of you kind of get this you kind of get the same story and the same thought process throughout yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, with the again, I like the Last Jedi, but it was a different film to uh, a very different film to the to the Force Awakens. It went off in different uh, ways that you would have expected from what the Force Awakens set up, and then the Rise of Skywalker, which 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 I I quite enjoyed. Um, it seemed to be pulling back again towards the force awakens and therefore undoing some of what the last jedi did so it yeah from that point of view it seemed a little bit of a mess the sequel uh trilogy um and i i i think and i hope that's that's a lesson that will be learned going into whatever the next uh saga is me as well i'm a fan of the the sequel trilogy and thoroughly enjoyed those films but i feel that in terms of um in, in the future one thing that the sequel trilogy is always going to have on its side, which any film really does, is time. And as we've seen before, if we, we can go all the way back, where even Return of the Jedi wasn't well received when it first came about. And other franchises, like I remember Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom wasn't even well received. But now they're these bestowed classics, mm. uh, which that's just something that time does. Because people just reflect and the people that were negative about them before grow up a bit, even if they were already grown. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there is generally a little bit more love and respect for the prequels out there now than there was when they first came out. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, I'm going to just uh, just to wrap things up, just to chat about a couple of things that kind of have a little Star Wars connection, but are majorly star wars affiliated just a couple of uh what i like to do is pull a couple of news stories from the entertainment science fiction pop culture world just have a little chat about those i'm not sure if you watched any of this previously but they obviously have announced which you might have heard they're bringing back masters of the universe and he-man netflix animated series which kevin smith is kind of overseeing yes um which obviously brings mark hamill in Skeletor's role as a voice cast, is this something you are would be excited to to see to watch? Yeah, I would, and I will. Um, I do have a Netflix subscription, so I'm I'm, I'm, all, I'm all set. I'm, I'm sat here and I'm waiting. Um, but I think Mark Hamill, uh, as many people uh, think, uh, is just an underrated performer in general, and he's a, he's a wonderful voice actor. Um, and I think something like this that again is probably you know facing some of the challenges that we've talked about with uh, bringing star wars back and especially old characters and old storylines back you know there is a chance that well 
you're actually having to try and cater to two audiences, the audience that, that know it and the audience that don't know it. Um, and I think it's in a safe pair of hands with someone like Kevin Smith, who will fully understand what it was like growing up, you know, with this, with this thing, with these characters. But at the same time, he is very, well, Kevin Smith's Kevin Smith, you know, he's got his own direction, very creative dude. Um, yeah, yep. I think it's in safe pair of hands with someone like Kevin Smith and the voice cast in general. I haven't got it in front of me at the moment, actually, but there were some great names on it. And, oh, you know, uh, Kevin Smith. Head, Headley's involved, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and there's many others that I can't uh, remember off the top of my head. Mm. But yeah, the voice cast is, is a bit golden. Yeah, I think Kevin Smith has got just, you know, he might not have the big box office success at the... Uh, at the box office, but he does have uh, a box office uh, contacts book, if you like. He's just one of those really respected yeah. uh, guys in, in Hollywood. And, uh, and yeah, I no, so- I'm excited about it. I feel something like this is also that leans very much on Kevin's strengths because one thing he is renowned for is writing dialogue, mm. conversational dialogue, and where when it comes to an animated series where he can obviously leave all the animation and action up to other people and can focus even more on the dialogue between characters, I think everyone's in for a treat. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. What's, what's the release date for that? Um, they, I don't think they've announced it. All I know is... I think from because I I do listen to his podcasts, but I feel that m- most or majority of the voice work is done, and they're just animating yeah. now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, a late twenty twenty, yeah, or something. Because I believe I believe from what he said, a, a majority of the voice stuff is done. Right. Okay. Well, I'm waiting. Which is great. I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting. Yeah. And um, another story that's come through that I found today is that supposedly, I don't know if you saw the sequel, I'm probably sure you saw the original, but um, that the fact that there's still a Tron sequel to Tron Legacy in the works at Disney and it's something supposedly they are focusing on again. Is that something, did you ever watch Tron Legacy? I did. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not completely sold on Tron. Is that okay to say that? Yeah, completely. I said it. I mean, I said it. It's too late. Yeah, it's done now. It's cemented. <laughs> you know, I, I'd, I'd prefer a revisit of Willow. Well, there is a revisit of Willow. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently like, so. There's a full-on Willow sequel coming with Warwick Davis. Yeah, that's what I'm in for. Is Val Kilmer back? I don't know. Yes, but. Me. I feel he's on a bit of a... He's on more of like an upward swing at the moment. Because mm. I feel it's also in the Top Gun sequel. Yeah, which is... Yeah, that's been, that's been pushed to winter now, hasn't it? It has, yeah. So, I, th- I think maybe because obviously he went... Not went away, but I think he had some troubles for a few years and did some other things. But I think he's back on track now. And uh, I think being in the Top Gun sequel is not going to hurt at all. So it'd be amazing if we could have Val back as well. Yeah, I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. So yeah, uh, Tron, uh, fine. I, I don't even know. I, I, it's probably one of those things I would get around to seeing eventually, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. be rushing. No, I think there's dust in the other properties which maybe should 
have a bit more focus at the moment over Tron, but I can see it as it's obviously a property that Disney want to keep making money from. Yeah, and I guess that's what it's all about. Yeah, very much so. But for me, Willow, that I can't wait for that. If that, I'm pretty sure that's something that is already had a green light. So, whenever that wants to come about, is I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. Willow two, Willow two, Willow three. Give me two more Willows. Yeah, why stop? Why stop there? And we'll have the prequel, and then we'll have the sequels, and we've got the sequels. Yeah, all of them. Give me all the Willows. Saga. That's what we want, and that's what Warwick deserves. (laughs) It is not not a quiz show series. No, no. He's better than that. He's better than that. We all know that. God, bring the Ewoks in for cameos. It doesn't even make sense, but chuck them in there. Just get the, just get his uh, little leprechaun as well. Get the whole Warwick family together. Yeah, Warwick Fest. Warwick Fest. Do do, do the Warwick's Infinity War. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the whole world needs. <laughs> well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on and doing this today. It's it's greatly appreciated. No, Ben, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been great chatting to you, and let's do this again sometime. Yeah, man. Anytime. Hi guys and thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Order. Please make sure to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you.